listening to Great Relationships, Pursuing the Best in Work, in Life, and Love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Paul Moore here with Herman Even, but only one of the two of us is going to sing for you because I'm <laughs> looking for love and all. You know, we were talking about self-esteem and self-control, and I suddenly realized that I've been looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, really? Yeah, no, because... Well, <laughs> and you talked about this before, you know, doesn't the Bible say love others as you love yourself? So clearly I need to feel good about me first. Mm, that's what a lot of people think. Let's pray about that before we start talking. Lord, thank you so much. As we have so often said, and we don't realize how important it is that you have given us clarity. The problem is, is we refuse to see it that way. Lord, I pray that we pay attention to your word, see it in its essence, because it's saying how you think and how you want us to think. In your precious name, amen. Amen. So I've got a question. Do you not say where you look, you tend to go? We believe in that very strongly. That is such a critical principle, and it really fits the believer's life. It fits my life. It fits your life. If I am trusting what I am looking at, that's probably the direction I'm going to go. Isn't that the fundamental decision in life? Trust God, trust something other than God. That's the same issue. Where I look, I tend to go. But Herman, I'm convinced there are things I have to do before I can trust God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right. There's Satan's always on my shoulder saying, well, wait a minute. If you feel better about yourself, you can feel better about others. Or, you know. (sighs) Well, that's that is part of Satan's job to get you confused. Satan wants to get you to be thinking things that don't fit God's word. Again, let's just say it again. What's Satan's primary strategy in life? Did God really say? Did God really say? That's exactly right. So you just said another version of his strategy. Oh, I've got to think about myself before I think about loving others and God. No, I need to think. No, that isn't what God said. (laughs) Or, or, I can't be good enough for God to love. Right. That's exactly right. I'm not acceptable the way that I am. I need to figure out how to do it differently. That's that's not what God is saying to us. Well, here's why I'm asking. We've spent some time talking about self-esteem and self-control. Mm-hmm. And you say where you look, you tend to go. Right. Well, word up. Here's what's happening. I'm still worried about feeling better about me to do these other things. So Satan's got me really looking in the wrong place, looking for love in all the wrong places. I'm looking at self-esteem, and I should be looking at self-control. Absolutely. And what we have seen... And why can't I do that? Well, the, the reason why we can't do that is because we are so deluded into thinking that things have to be right for me. I have to think well of myself. We're so deluded into that mindset that we're not willing to look at, no, I need to control me. I don't need to be thinking well of me. I need to control this sin nature. And the only way that's going to happen is by allowing the working of the Holy Spirit in my life to control this sin nature of mine. (laughs) It's easy for me to look at someone who's overweight and go, oh, they don't have any self-control. They're going for the instant gratification. Right. Or I look at a smoker or I look at someone who's drinking and I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's all about instant gratification. But yet, I'm feeling all crappy about myself. These are just manifestations of my inability. Okay, so how does that work? Now, I want you to think about that. This is, this is part of the research. In fact, 
what the statement early on in the 80s was is if you felt better about yourself, Paul, you wouldn't have this weight problem if you felt better about yourself. Actually, the research has been debunked and shown that that has no impact at all. If you feel good about yourself, it actually decreases your performance and inevitably it increases the problems that you may have in your life. Wait a minute. You were saying something about that, weren't you, about all these college students? They did a survey. Yeah. And they focused on their self-esteem, so they weren't having better grades. The truth was they were feeling better about having worse grades. Yeah. The 30-year study, and it's available, it's the college freshman study, and you can go uh, probably look it up online. It shows that as self-esteem has increased over time, it's gone up about 30% over the last 30-plus uh, years or 20-plus years, and the actual productivity <laughs> has gone down. So I think you were saying this before the show. You were saying, well, they just feel better about doing worse, and that's exactly right. <laughs> I feel good about myself. I feel good that I'm doing worse. You know, it's really a, a sad state of affairs. Well, I was just thinking about all those movies out of the 80s, you know, where the, the lead characters would be going, Looking good, feeling good. Life's bad, situation's worse, but I'm feeling good. Well, let's go back to the premise. The premise is that if I feel good about myself, if I have high self-esteem, I will be productive. It is not showing up that way. It actually is the reverse. If I do things, I can point at them that I've done them well, then I feel better about me. That's what's actually showing up. Okay, I want to come clear over to right field because you're setting the stage, so I just want to ask a question. Mm -hmm. More than once I've heard things aren't well in my life because of the presence of sin in my life. Mm -hmm. But yet I hear you talk about unjust suffering all the time and how it helps. Granted, there's consequences for bad action, bad thinking, bad decisions. Right. But when we're in a situation not of our making, God's using it to conform us to his image. It's not a banner that I'm somehow less than or second rate. Right. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll drop the first part about the, the sin issue. and Let's just deal with the uh, unjust suffering or the suffering. Uh, that is something that is really critical for us to get into our mind. Part of suffering is part of you identifying with and being like Jesus Christ. What did he do to come? He came to show that he was God, but but for our importance, he came to suffer for us and die for us. So anytime we're into suffering, we basically have this tendency to go, no, I don't want to do that. Well, here's really what you're saying if you say that you don't want to suffer. And I'm not saying, oh, let me go suffer. I, that isn't that didn't what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand my words here. If I am complaining through my suffering, I'm basically making this statement. I don't want to be more like Jesus Christ. Huh. Yeah, that's exactly right. We don't take it that way. We end up thinking... Oh, I just want to make it through this life and get to heaven. Well, Jesus has specifically told us, our God has specifically told us in his word that we are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And part of that conforming to his image is being like him. He came here to suffer for us. And part of our life is suffering and literally suffering unjustly. Okay, well, in the Passion of Christ, and forgive me in advance, 
we have nothing about self-esteem and everything about self-control. Amen. Everything that Jesus did, and I love that tie back, there was no time that you ever heard any word out of Jesus going, I feel really good about me. What was he saying all the time? I'm doing what my father told me to do. That is a life of self-control. A life of self-control is saying, I am focused on a target, and by God's grace, I'm going to get there. If he doesn't want me to get there, I'm going to go for another target. That's the concept of self-control. It's not trying to feel good about yourself. It's, it's a matter of trying to achieve something. And when you achieve something, then there is a greater sense of, if you want to use the cycle babble, self-worth, self-esteem, all those type of things, there is a greater chance. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in achieving what God wants me to achieve. That's the bigger issue for us. Well, never has there been a time that's necessary to equate where I look I tend to go Mm -hmm. right Satan's really got me looking in the wrong place looking to improve my self-esteem rather than my self-control and I can't help but think Herman somehow this has to relate back to Genesis 1 24 through 26 we're made in his image yes we are and if I'm to be conformed to the image of Christ that's real unsettling I'm going to ask you about that right after this the website is greatrelationships.com grnumeratelationships.com we'll be back right after this great thoughts for great relationships knowing and practicing this definition of love is the key to all good relationships. Love is seeking the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Hello, this is Jim Leisher, founder of HOT, which stands for Honor Our Troops. On our troops began when I started sending care packages to my son who was serving in Afghanistan with the 501st Airborne. Chad told me about so many others that were not receiving anything in the mail by letter or care package from home. Since then, we have sent over 38,000 care packages to men and women serving in the armed forces around the globe. One story involves Sergeant David Perez, whose wife signed him up in one of our community outreach events. Here's David to tell you about it. Every time I received a care package from HOT, it was like Christmas for me and my soldiers. Receiving the package and the thank you and the support it represented boosted morale and opened a door to share the love of Christ. You can imagine the power of unconditional love. To learn more about sponsoring a corporate or community event, or if you would like to participate directly by sending a package, visit us online at www.hot-honorourtroops.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work and life and love and sometimes feeling better about me. <laughs> That's where Satan wants us to go. That's exactly right? right. So I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. But but here's the thing. There, everyone's got an opinion, right? They're like noses. Almost everyone's got one. Mm-hmm. But Genesis one twenty four through 26, that's truth. That's God's mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. So whether or not I'm willing to accept truth, there it is. We're made in his image. Right. Then why do I have the freedom to go worry about I need to feel better about myself rather than exercise self-control? Actually, that is one of 
chief theological questions that people ask. It's just not worded that way. Go me. (laughs) One of the questions that's been asked probably ever since Adam and Eve, maybe, you know, if God is in control, why do I have free will? Uh, that's that's really what you're saying. Uh, if God has created me in his image, why is it that he gave me? Well, it's because he has freedom of choice. And what happens with us is when we choose to do it God's way, that is the ultimate glorification to him. It wouldn't be glorifying to him, as we've said so many times before, if we were his robot and we were just doing everything because He's making us do that. That doesn't give him any glory. What gives him glory is when we're standing front and center on the stage of life going through a difficult time and we decide by faith to trust the Lord that what God said is the way that I believe it to be true and I'm going to do it that way. That's what gives him maximum glory. And when we then decide to choose other than God's way, he has told us "Mm, that's not going to be good for you. There are some bad consequences that are going to come with that. Herman, that's that's sad. I am sorry that you chose that other direction. That also gives him glory. How? Because it shows that he's just. So either direction is going to work in his glory. That's what's so amazing about God. Everything is glorifying him in some way. We can't see it, but even our bad choices are glorifying him because it's saying that he is who he says he is. But yet my whole day will pile up like a train wreck and stop if my self-esteem isn't fed. That's how we will operate in life incorrectly. And that is nothing more than what we have always classified as the swirling, sucking vortex of despair. Now, just think about this. If you just go practice this and just study yourself, you'll see this is true. Why do I seem to think that self-esteem is so important when clearly it's self-control to allow me to be conformed to the image of Christ? The issue is your flesh wants to be satisfied. Your flesh wants to have gratification. Your flesh wants to be okay with life and you can see the answers. And that doesn't require faith. The Lord wants us to have faith. And part of living our life and looking at our life differently, it's going to require a life of faith. The Lord has purposely left things unsaid and unseen. He is not allowing us to see him because this is part of this life of faith that we're to live at this point in time. Okay, I want to ask you about life of faith, and I really want to dig into it. And maybe this is coupled with it. But we were talking about this before the program, and you said something about the Ten Commandments allow us to predecide. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of sermons on the Ten Commandments. None of them were ever linked with the word predecide. They may not have been saying it that way, but that's probably how they're going to preach it in some form because the Lord specifically lays it out in, if I remember right, in uh, Exodus and specifically in Leviticus. Uh, you know, here's your choice it's either going to be blessing or cursings. Which do you want? Uh, Because if you do what I ask you to do, there's blessings. If you don't do it, there's going to be curses. There's going to be problems for you. All he's doing right there, he's inviting them to choose correctly. And we have a tendency to look at God and say, well, he's trying to make me do something I don't want to do. No, he's not. He's basically saying, here are the things that are really, really good for you. Use the power of the spirit that I've given to you 
to control yourself and become more like my son Jesus. And when you do that, life will show in a much better way for you long term and even here and now. That's the issue. We want to believe that I have to feel good about myself in order to go do good things. No, it's actually reverse. If I go choose what God wants me to do, guess what? I can look at that and go, wow, that really was a good thing to do. You're going to get some immediate feedback from it. Sometimes it's not good feedback, but you did the right thing. Well, you know what? I am glad that I did the right thing. That's, that's a better issue for us to consider the difference between self-esteem and self-control. Self-esteem just wants you to feel good about you. Self-control is saying, here's some observable evidence that you were doing the right thing. Now you can feel good about that. That's, that's a really different approach to show you the difference between self-esteem and self-control. Today, and in some of our previous discussions, I'm thinking we've pretty much nailed self-esteem. I don't don't know that we have. (laughs) Unfortunately, we could probably talk about this for multiple shows, and there still would be people going, yeah, but I don't feel good about me, and that's really important. I know that five seconds after I'm dead, if not before, I'll know exactly how I should have lived, and I don't think it's going to be quite with the preference for self-esteem that I had. Mm -hmm. So this self-control, how do I get me some of that? Well, that's that's a wonderful question. I think we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but let's go back through this. I mean, give me the ABCs. Let me get this because I keep defaulting to self-esteem. I keep looking for love and things that are going to make me feel better rather than things I know are better. Yeah. And one of those is eternal. In the study that I've done on this, and I'm a big believer in this, most people will have a tendency to think self-control is just about discipline. Yes, discipline is a key component. There's no doubt about it, but I would not put your efforts toward discipline. The issue is self-control has a relatively straightforward set of steps that you can take. And Four of these steps are repeated in the great secular book, Willpower, by Roy Baumeister. The thing that he doesn't start with that I really believe is absolutely key, to use self-control correctly, you really need to start with this first step, serve others. I'm going to decide that I want to serve others. Now, why is that so important? Because if I decide to be self-controlled and don't have that value of serving others, I can be self-controlled to be a self-controlled dictator, a self-controlled person to do evil. I mean, I can use the other steps in an evil way. I can serve me all day long. Absolutely. That just comes easy. That's right. I can do all of those wrong things. So it really needs to start with some form of service, some sort of a higher value along the line of the virtues of Jesus Christ. And I think that's the first and best place to start. I'm going to decide that I want to serve others. So that's the, that's the clear and, and, and uh, important first step. If you want to use humility, I'm for that. I'm totally for that because the chief action of humility is service. <laughs> so that's how I would say first step, decide you're going to serve others. Second step Now, notice how straightforward and simple this is. This is not a matter of trying to go out and do something that is abstract. Let me me make it just very straightforward and clear for you. Choose a goal that you want to have in your life. Second step, choose a goal. What is it that I want to achieve? What is it that I'm wanting to uh, target? What is it that I'm wanting to 
add to my life and do better? What is it in a clear, defined way that would help me understand I have a clear picture of what I want to achieve? So if, if, it's, um, if it's a matter of I want to get a, um, uh, I, I want to drink less uh, uh, alcohol or I want to drink less pop or soda or whatever, I need to decide what that clear goal is. And we can you know, talk about this a little bit more after the break. No, I appreciate it. You're giving me five simple steps mm-hmm. to transform my complex that's code word for not as I would like it kind of yucky mm-hmm. life. Greatrelationships.com is a website. That's grnumeratelationships.com. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. We'll be back right after this. from God's Word for great relationships. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than himself. Philippians 2, 3. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Welcome back. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work and life and love. The website, greatrelationships.com, GR numeral 8, relationships.com. Click on the radio tab. You can listen to it again. I tell you right now, I'm going to have to go back and listen because, as we used to say in Georgia, I'm not sure I understand everything I know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so since that's where I'm at, Herman, you were giving me five simple steps to simply make what is good increase and what is bad decrease. Yeah, it's very interesting. If you look at the research that has been done on self-control or willpower, you'll find that self-control has a direct correlation to higher income, higher GPAs, uh, lower STDs, lower teen pregnancy, everything that you'd want that is more in the direction of what is good, self-control is tied to that. Self-esteem is not tied to any of that, which is very interesting to consider here. What we didn't do is provide you a good definition for what self-control is. Delayed gratification 
for future benefit. Passing up immediate gratification so that I can get a benefit in the future. That is the essence of what Jesus did. Just think about this. He said, you know what? I'm going to go through the cross. I could stay here and just be like my father. I can be God or I can go through this path and delay that gratification and sit at his right hand ultimately. I'm going to go through that pain. Well, that's the concept of self-control. I'm going to pass up the immediate gratification so that I can have this future benefit. So is that maybe the weeping and gnashing of teeth? Those of us who are able to put off immediate gratification end up at his table as opposed to everybody who said... I'm willing to speculate on that one. All right, I'll ask you about that another time, but I'm halfway through five simple ways to make what's good increase. Yeah, what, what we talked about, to go back to step one, decide to serve others. That's always the first step. The second step is choose a specific goal or target to aim at something very specific it's not a matter of trying to decide well i just want to get better no it's a specific target i have a key goal in my life that i want to attain so it that is i don't care what it is it's going to help you develop self-control it could be i want my gpa to go up it could be that i want to uh, lose weight it could be i want to run the mile it, it, it doesn't matter you just have to have a goal that's all you need is a goal so that's the second step. The third step then is make certain that you have a key way to monitor and measure progress. Listen how simple this is. This is not rocket science. This is not something that you have to have a psychology degree related to. I decide I'm going to serve others because that's going to help my self-control go in the right direction. I choose something. I don't care what it is, just a clear goal. A third, I decide how am I going to measure whether I'm making progress or not. And then the The fourth one is I surround myself with people. I make them my accountability partners, and I want to surround myself with people that will be encouraging me to help meet that goal. Okay, so notice how simple all this is. Is that is that tough? Do you think that's tough? It is directly in line with what is easily part of anyone's life. The issue is, why don't we choose this? It's because we really don't want self-control. This requires work. This requires work. The fifth one is pre-decide. And that means every little area in your life that you are finding is a trip-up area that might be something that will keep you from achieving this goal. You find ways to pre-decide now what you're going to do about it when you face it. And that is the area that what research has shown, people with self-control have a pre-decision. And what Roy uh, Ballmeister talks about is he calls it pre-commitment. It's the it's same thing. Uh, I pre-decide that what I'm going to do when I approach that situation, because if I'm starting to approach it, I need to redirect myself or I know exactly what I'm going to do when I get there. Because if you haven't made a decision, there's a high likelihood that you're going to just be covered up with that one thing. So the issue for you related to self-control then, decide you're going to serve others. Choose a clear target. Third, decide how you're going to measure that target. Fourth, Find some encouraging people to help you meet that target. And fifth, go through your life 
make some pre-decisions about those trip-up areas and make those decisions now. Those are five clear steps that will help you increase your self-control. And most importantly, self-control will never occur unless you're walking with the Lord in the abundance that you want it. Wow, talk about pre-deciding or deciding to pre-decide. So there you have it. Thank you, Herman. GreatRelationships.com is the website, GRNumeralEightRelationships.com. You can go there, click on the radio tab, listen to this program, others in the series. You can email them to friends, but more importantly, with your Bible in hand, go dig into the videos. Before we go, I want to invite you to drop us a line at Great Relationships, P.O. Box 51836. That's Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. Until next time. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Have you ever had days like this? (laughs) Neither have we. That's why we recommend great relationships. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others. Kindly, patiently, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.